Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to State of State. This podcast is presented by BetOnline.ag, your number one source for all your sports info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds, news, and info for every sport, from the NBA playoffs to Major League Baseball and beyond. BetOnline is your sports information headquarters this season. If you love sports info, scores, news, and podcasts, you can find everything at BetOnline. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to BetOnline.ag to Day or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to State of State. I'm Tom Hannafin, joined by former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King. To be clear, this new brand will be covering Penn State football every week, year-round. For those of you that know me individually, that is not changing. However, this platform will be constructed to cover a multitude of Penn State sports. This is going to take time, but our plan is to incorporate former Penn State players, coaches, and broadcasting professionals to bring you the best content and in-depth insight for your favorite Penn State teams. We even hope to create opportunities for active Penn State students and athletes. Justin and I feel very strongly about giving back to Penn State athletics, especially in lieu of recent news regarding Penn State's Board of Trustees and the need for more NIL commitment and overall dedication to the progress of all Nittany Lions sports. And as you heard moments ago, State of State is proud to support Blue White Outfitters, which, Justin, you are heavily involved in and you're sporting their gear today. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm excited to jump on. So, but yeah, talking about Blue White Outfitters, man, we think about sustainable NIL solutions. That's what Blue White Outfitters is, powered by Ath Eco, which is when we talk about merchandise and getting into the revenue streams of major college sports, is creating assets where the players can benef- benefit off of it, right? Where we, we have fans that come and customer engagement that go to games on the weekends where they pay, buy fan merch, you know, brand deals and uh, social media content and different things of that nature aren't the only ways to capitalize on an NIL process. But using the sustainable and proven um, revenue streams within college sports or in the sports ecosystems like merchandise and being able to share the revenue with the players and using it for different avenues throughout the uh, university. Right. So that's exactly what we're here to do at the blue white outfitters. And again, it's another, another way of building sustainable uh, NIL solutions for the Penn state ecosystem and the athletes involved. Yeah. And if you're a Penn state football fan, you're wearing a lockdown U hoodie right now for Penn state. Uh, honestly, the defensive backs have become fantastic. So it is kind of becoming lockdown U. And at the same time, the lawn boys, the gear that you guys have for the Penn state running backs a nickname that was dubbed a number of years ago under James Franklin. So there's a lot of really cool gear. You can check out at bluewhiteoutfitters.com. And the beauty of it is it goes to support active Penn state student athletes, which I know you and I care very much about. 
this episode, however, is dedicated to previewing what's coming up this Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern at Beaver Stadium. Justin, you're going to be on hand, mingling, doing your thing, talking to all these various collectives, obviously, that are trying to help Penn State athletics and Penn State sure. football. But we're all about previewing what's going down with this Saturday's blue-white game, the spring scrimmage. And as far as we know, Justin, this year, it is indeed going to be a full-on game once again. I know James Franklin has recently, over the last week or so, expressed some concerns in terms of a lack of depth, maybe, I believe, along the defensive line. There have been some injuries, some guys, nothing significant as far as we know, but guys just being held out for the sake of safety. For those that remember last year, the offensive line and defensive line numbers were really depleted. That's why this was kind of a, a scrimmage on air. This is expected to be more of a conventional game. James Franklin has said that there should be minimal guys, quote, running back and forth between the blue and the white side. Uh, you're somebody who's played in the blue-white game. You've seen your fair share of them. As I mentioned, you're going to be there. What is it like taking in this game and then competing in it? Because this is the culmination of spring practices. Well, it depends when you're jumping into the game, right? I think that everyone's first spring game is a big deal. It's their, it's like your first time in Beaver Stadium, whether you're a freshman, like especially for those incoming freshmen that came in January, right? Because you're there for three months, you practice in the stadium a little bit, but this is your, your first time where all the fans are out. It's like a family day and you get an opportunity to really jump in and see how it is to play with MB or stadium with a, with a crowd actually being there. But after that, to be completely honest, once you become, you know, second, third year, you're trying to finish spring ball because you're all beat up from the spring. And it's like, it's going into the summer after that. So it just depends on where you're at. So this year be pretty exciting to see some of the uh, uh, freshmen coming in and especially to um, see Drew. You need a quarterback. Anytime you got a new starting quarterback or starting positions or position competitions, I think that always draws some nice themes out in the spring game because you're on full-on competition. The fans, everyone that's been hearing about the different news that's been going on, you can get to see it uh, in live. So got a nice group of guys that came in in January um, and the new quarterback. And so it's good to see that and see if the guys continue to play at the same level that they did last year with the court, with the running backs, especially with the trade pots. Uh, transferring in and seeing how all that works together. So, yes, yeah, it should be exciting. Yeah, we'll get to Trey Potts in just a second. I'm very interested to get your take on that transfer from Minnesota. But you mentioned the quarterbacks, and that's obviously where everybody is fixated 24-7 when it comes to this Penn State football program. Uh, James Franklin saying recently that this quarterback competition will be, quote, done when it's decided and clear. So, you know, there's <laughs> your non-answer, but you kind right. of expected that. And I really don't expect to hear a formal statement on who's the number one quarterback until – the week they play West Virginia, like at the at the absolute latest, uh, as far as what you have heard and in the limited amount that the media has gotten to see Drew Aller versus Bo Prabula, uh, is there anything telling you maybe that Drew Aller won't be the starting quarterback come the game against West Virginia, or you know, is this is Bo Prabula slowly taking over? What do you think? No, I think at the end of the day, I mean, I think it's. I don't know for to say I haven't seen any practices or any film of that nature, but I, I think it's Drew's position to lose, right? There's a lot of, we just think about just resources when you go into recruiting and high, signing high level quarterbacks and going into that. I know we could say it's a quarterback race and I'm sure it is as long as um, the competition's somewhat there, but I would say Drew's it's his show to, to, to lose show, show to run or position to lose. <laughs> 
Yeah, and Drew's been on the record, uh, a, a very rare opportunity for an underclassman to speak to the media recently uh, after practice, saying that he feels way more comfortable than he did last year, described his performance in the spring last year as, quote, frantic, but says he feels a lot more calm, understands what to look for in the defense, feels better about all the checks, the run game, the pass game, et cetera. How much can you really glean from quarterbacks in the blue-white game? I mean, I think you can always get a feel for decision making, right? Because like you'll see a sense of the play clock, whether defensive linemen are getting close, where he's going with the ball. Uh, and obviously, I mean, there's still pass catching a little bit. So there's a level of aesthetic to the game. He throws a nice, pretty ball. So if he completes some passes, I think there's some uh, there's some excitement that can come from that. And I think it's interesting when I said earlier, even about the different ways in which you approach the game from a, your first year or second year, I think it's completely different when you approach the game competing for a starting position as well, even if it's not your first one. Now, if you're competing for a starting position, you really want to come out and show and have command of it because internally it's like a practice, but externally everything is kind of heightened. So to want to perform, I would be, I'd be interested to see how him move around the pocket, make some plays and uh, go from there. Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code STATE20. That's S-T-A-T-E-2-0 at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestros Classic, crafting a better you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, and I can only imagine you've got true freshmen walking into a stadium that's got 75,000 fans in it for a spring game. And it's something that there's schools all over the country who would kill to have that type of attendance for a regular season game. So you can imagine the nerves for a guy like Jackson Smolik, who uh, as, a, as a backup quarterback, I think that situation is very interesting for who falls into one, two and three, Justin, because uh, James Franklin has been on the record. He's actually very happy with Jackson Smolik's progression as a true freshman, got on campus mid-semester. So he's one of those guys, you said, showed up early and is fortunate that he's in the system and he's learning now as opposed to arriving in the summer or something like that. It sounds like they feel very confident that he's going to fall into that third quarterback spot. But still, I'm really interested to see how he reacts to that scenario. Uh, when it comes to Bo Perbula and Drew Aller, do you expect them to be running – the same base offense, how much of the, quote, Bo Perbula running package do you anticipate? I think you'll have it pretty much the same. I think it's interesting based on their skill sets, but I, I, I just know how Penn State operates and they're not going to change their offense but so much. I'm sure Drew Aller has to do the read option, has to read the tackle, read at the end, and all that good stuff the same way a running quarterback or more uh, diverse style quarterback might be, but I think the offense will be the same. And it's just mastery of the base offense. James Franklin has been on the record saying that there will probably be 
if uh, say it's Bo Perbula that winds up being the starting quarterback, and I'm just saying as a hypothetical, it sounds like his version of the playbook, you know, the Venn diagram is going to be very similar between him and, and Drew Aller, but there's going to be things that only Drew does and only Bo does. So what, how much of that we see uh, in the blue-white game in a scrimmage? We don't know, but we're going to find out. I'm very interested to see about that. Uh, you touched on running backs, and that was a, a piece of news that came out very recently, is that Penn State has added to its stable of running backs incoming transfer from the Minnesota Golden Gophers running back Trey Potts. He's got four years of experience at Minnesota on um, back-to-back seasons with over 100 carries, over 475 yards both seasons, and three touchdowns or more in both seasons. So not exactly the starting running back. Mo Ibrahim was holding down that position as an excellent tailback, so it's nothing against what Trey Potts did. But there was speculation of, okay, like who's going to be the third tailback? And it's nothing against who they've got, Emil Davis, Tyler Holsworth, Tank Smith. And then, of course, you're led by Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen, who could start at any team in the country. Uh, Trey Potts, for the record, not going to be competing in the blue-white game. He will be arriving on campus in the summer. He's completing his studies at Minnesota. But that addition to the backfield, Justin, how did you feel about that news? I think it's a great addition, right? You have somebody that has two years of running the football in the Big Ten, um, at a predominantly run offense, run heavy offense like Minnesota. I um, mean, I know for a little bit had this, I mean, not even the same offense coordinator, but just being in a run dominant offense like that and having that type of experience, I think just lends well to Katron and Nick, even as second year backs and as dynamic as they are, having those snaps are very important to just longevity, whether it's like it's just another set of eyes to say, hey, look, look, look at this hole or look at how we might do this here. And I'm sure he's going to come in there to compete and get carries because I'm sure he's not transferring just to be a player coach <laughs> to, yeah, to an extent, right? And, and it's helpful because I, I think of recent seasons, uh, you know, John Lovett was, I, I guess you would say the second or third tailback when he was here just within the last few years, transfer from Baylor, chipped in, contributed, uh, now doing some stuff in the XFL. Uh, but John Lovett was more of that, receiving tailback you know kind of got some opportunities there ran the ball well um trey potts does not seem like a receiving tailback so you've got you know nick singleton and katron allen who are going to get the lion's share of the carries no pun intended trey potts is in there uh, hopefully to give you depth uh, to that point be a veteran voice in the running back room so there's a lot of positives that come with it i'm curious to see what exactly they want to do with Trey Potts if there is some sort of ratio that they want to get to, but we're not going to know that until the summer. When patient. it comes to – yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying that he's a patient, decisive runner. I mean, I remember him coming out of high school. I was like on our first first years in the recruiting department when he was coming out of high school. And, um, I mean, it was like I said, zone, put your foot in the ground, make a couple people miss. And, you know, he had, he had a nice, mature running style to himself even as well. So, I mean – I think he's somebody that can be capable of stepping into the games, even when Nick and Catron are heavy on carries because, I mean, I think the offense is still going to run through them at the end of the day. Yeah, I fully expect that. And then when it comes to the blue-white game this Saturday, how much do you expect to see of Singleton and Allen? Do you just bubble wrap them and just be like, you get a couple of carries here and there and just stay safe? Max two series. That's it. That's what I would say. That's what I would recommend. <laughs> how much? How much do you? How much do you need to see of them? Of them to of those two? Yeah, yeah like I guess you, you understand I, what it, I mean, it is from the coaching, like, like we, recruiting standpoint. But like, how much do you need to see of them? Of those two guys, I don't think we need to see too much of them at all, especially for the type of banging that they take and 
they played a full season last year. And the fact that they kind of have each other and they've gone through spring ball. So if they weren't practicing in spring, maybe you want to see a little bit of them. If they were coming off of a off season injury, maybe you want to see how they look in competitive amped up type of situations. But the fact that they kind of put in some work, went through the spring healthy, all we're doing is crossing our fingers, get a couple contacts, maybe one series. Yeah. You know I mean, but I'll get a, maybe one series, but get yeah. those guys up out of there. <laughs> a lot of reps for the for the other guys. Nick Singleton yeah. is listed for the record at six foot two twenty eight. Katron five eleven two eighteen, and then the incoming Trey Potts is five eleven two hundred uh, and eleven pounds. So you've can got. You say the, can you set his measurements one more time? Yeah. So uh, I, this is according to Go PSU Sports. Uh, Nick Singleton six foot two twenty eight. Katron five eleven two eighteen, and uh, I believe Trey Potts is listed at five eleven two eleven. That's a, that's a Would you want day. to tackle that's, that? I mean, that's a long day at the office. I mean, you sometimes man, it's, uh, you get Nick Singleton coming out of that hole, man. It's like a like a bat out of hell. It's like get out the way. The same thing with the five eleven two eighteen guy, man. You didn't see him put punish some guys at the, within the five yard mark from the line of scrimmage and doing all those things. And those are some dynamic running backs. I'm excited to see them uh, oh, yeah. in the season. Not too hard, much. Yeah, hard pass on tackling that. Hard pass. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> You mentioned uh, the passing game. Uh, I do want to stay with the offense and previewing what's to come this Saturday with the blue-white game. Uh, Bo Perbula, Drew Aller, uh, Jackson Smolik, they're all going to have their opportunities to get out there and sling the rock a little bit. Uh, there were a lot of positive things that were said during the spring ball period by James Franklin, Mike Yurcich, and especially Drew Aller in regards to how Keandre Lambert-Smith is doing. It sounds like he is – I don't want to jump to the point to say that he's made that significant leap that everybody's talking about, that he is this, as James Franklin put it, a wide receiver one who's being talked about nationally, uh, obviously being talked about within the conference. It sounds like he's made some positive strides, and James Franklin has even gone as far as to say that the likely one and two once the season starts against West Virginia, you've got Keandre Lambert-Smith at the one, and two, it's going to be Trey Wallace. And it sounds like, according to Franklin, it's a battle for three, four, five, and six amongst a multitude of guys. Uh, how much, kind of like what we talked about with the quarterbacks, how much can you really take away from the wide receiver play during the blue-white game? Because for me, as just a fan, Justin, I think of what you did at wide receiver and quarter, uh, cornerback in the blue-white game. That seems like a position where it's like, okay, there's less contact than some other positions. So if you're going to see guys, you know, really adhering to the playbook and trying to run things accordingly, you're going to see a pretty good representation of what these guys are capable of at wide receiver and corner. What do you think? I, I completely agree. Like you said, I mean, it's not it's not as physical as an evaluation when you're coming into the spring game. So if someone's been hot like throughout spring or offense or on defense, they're going to you'll see it come out a little bit in the spring game because it's, it's kind of the same flow that they've been in. If someone's been making plays, making interceptions, I would expect them to have some type of splash play. And for receivers, same goes to them as well. It's maybe a little bit curved when we talk about that evaluation because when we talk about that base offense, so maybe you're not throwing everything at the defense when you got to go on against the top defense in the, in the beginning to, right. to start with. But yeah, I mean, typically you would. But I just wouldn't expect to see too much from like an exotic pass game that you're coming from them. But yeah, you will see guys that have been hot in the spring show up and make a play or two. Uh, you said you didn't need to see much from Singleton and Allen, and that makes a ton of sense. What do you need to see from Lambert Smith and Wallace in this blue-white game? 
And the blue white game, man. I would like I would like to see. I mean, I'm, I'm a little biased, not too much, but I would like to see some big plays, right? We talk about the DBs, like, but I would like to see some big plays, like some one touch plays where you think of explosive um, outside plays, whether it's you know taking it for catching it on forty, or even some yak plays where someone's catching it 10, 15 yards and turning it up and making making something happen. I think that really creates an interesting situation with Penn State's office when offense when you talk about the ability of the deep ball. I mean, loosely with Drew until we see what gets in there. And the dynamic running backs and offensive line, you get some one-touch guys on the outside, some big playability out there. I mean, it really opens up the offense and can really set these guys up to have a, a magical season, to be completely honest. Malik McLean is the transfer from Florida State. He's been in camp for a little while. It sounds like, according to Franklin, Yurisich, and even Drew Auer, that he's this great combination of size and speed. He's learning quickly. He's asking all the right questions. Comes in with a couple years of eligibility remaining, which is just really nice. That's a great asset to have, especially just in the way the, the transfer portal has worked. You're seeing a lot of guys that are transferring in with maybe they got one season left and they're just trying to cash in and make the most of this opportunity that they can. But it sounds like Malik is going to have a chance to really excel. It's just a matter of learning the system. Uh, when talked about Lambert Smith and Wallace, is there a specific wide receiver that you're looking? It's like, hey, you might want to make an impression in this blue-white game. I mean, I'll, I'll take it a step further. Maybe not in this blue-white game, but I would I would have loved to see uh, Dante Cephas in the game, right? Like that's a that's a player. Like when from a transfer standpoint, he, he will be arriving in the summer. In the summer, right? But like yeah. that is somebody that I would be interested to see, and whether it's the the, the, the summer camp scrimmage or whatever the case may be, that's that's who I'm most interested in seeing. I mean, I think from the receiver standpoint. Gotta know what they are. We want to always see that step up the next year, whether it's Keandre and uh, the other guys. But yeah, I, I really I'm excited to see Dante Cephas and see how he progresses at Penn State and see if the production transitions over. Yeah, Dante Cephas, uh, the transfer from Kent State, will be on campus in a few months uh, for the blue white game. Obviously, I'm looking at guys like Liam Clifford. Uh, who had some flashes late last season. Uh, I'm interested to see Omari Evans. He's somebody that's been pointed out by Drew Auer and saying that he's made a leap from last year to this year. Obviously, he was a true freshman. This is kind of getting his feet under him. How big that leap is, I don't know if we're necessarily going to understand every last bit of what he's capable of in the blue-white right. game, but you know, flashes. That's all you're thinking about. In regards to pass catchers, uh, a guy that's been singled out specifically by James Franklin is tight end Khalil Dinkins, saying he's having a very very good spring practice session. We know about Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson, the incumbent one and two, one A, one B, however you want to put it. But the competition at tight end, Justin, is freaking insane because you still have Rapplier coming in the summer, big time recruit. But you got Jerry Cross, Mega Barnwell, who's listed at 6'6, 269, plus Joey Schlaffer and Khalil Dinkins. There is an ungodly amount of talent, size, ability that Ty Howell has at his disposal. Uh, what do you want to see out of the tight ends this weekend? I mean, consistency, right? Like, we have that type of depth. You want to see the consistency of what they put on the field. We talk about the aces, right? Like, that's the that's the wild card that you put out there. That's that group, right? We talk about the long boys, lockdown you, and then you got the tight ends, the aces, where they're making the name for themselves with the incoming freshmen, um, with the production that they've already had. But you really want to see, like, the rounded tight ends that Penn State are known to have, right, where they're a pass-catching threat as well as a blocking threat where you have dynamic running backs like Nick Singleton and Cage Ron Allen. So I think with a defense, going against Penn State's defense, it's going to be very interesting to see 
the uh, the perimeter runs and different things of that nature just to see how the Titans hold up playing against the defense that Penn State is putting on the field. Yeah, considering there's been so much talk about Dinkins in particular, I'm going to be paying attention to him most of the game to see how much he's really getting in there and how many opportunities he's getting. I, I don't need to see him catch you know, eight passes or something like that, but to your point, I want to see how he cooperates with the offensive line. Uh, and that brings me to the last member, uh, last unit of the offense, rather. This offensive line really finished the season in a positive way last year. There's a lot of positivity surrounding what they're going to be capable of in 2023. Uh, there have been a couple uh, bumps and bruises, as you can expect. Nothing earth-shattering that people, I think, should really freak out about. Is there any particular position battle that you're thinking about? Because I know right tackle has been a question in terms of who's really going to take that spot. I, I'm not a, not a specific battle, but I like to see the holistic view of the offensive line, right? When we talk about the different running backs that are coming in the game and different things of that nature, I like to see how the whole holes open up, how the thing is flowing. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we can talk about the left or right tackle when it comes down to it. Again, in the spring game, we're only going to see so much, but you want to see the cohesion amongst the whole offensive line, whether it's the depth of the different players that are playing. So like, we don't want to see any... Uh, you want to see a clean game from them, whether they're staying off the not saying off the ground, but like no offsides, right? No, like very minimal holdings, and just making sure that there's no busted plays where people are running free or doing anything like that to get to the quarterback, because that's what we really want to be making sure that we're protecting the quarterback and the running backs and all those different things with the depth. So just baseline understanding that's what I would want to see from the group. Not too much the position battle, because I think that really comes into play in the summer. Sure. Uh, and it sounds like there's been a lot of guys rotated in to get reps at center uh, due to a few injuries here and there. So I'm curious to see kind of how they Tetris the whole thing together in regards <laughs> to right tackle Caden Wallace versus Drew Shelton. I want to see if that battle really continues mm -hmm. to play out. That's going to be important. We know about Olufushanu at left tackle and his health is the primary concern this offseason. Obviously, a dude who could have gone in the NFL draft very high this season, sticking around for another season at Penn State, Landon Tangwall getting healthy. Uh, you're excited about Hunter Norzad. The guy I want to see, Justin, is Vega Iwane, a redshirt freshman, number 71 for those that don't know him. And according to James Franklin, he is the best-looking six-foot-four to a 365 pounder he's ever seen uh you've seen all shapes and sizes throughout your college career and your nfl career a guy that big that can move and do the things that it sounds like he's capable of probably as an interior offensive lineman just, what do you think about that when you hear that i mean God only puts so many of them on the earth, right? And most of them play basketball and the rest. You find them in elite left tackles or defensive ends. So when you see that, I mean, those are anomalies and you have to value them as such because, I mean, just from times and from a league standpoint, you want to, again, protect the quarterback. And somebody that can move like that just from the physics standpoint, you're setting yourself up for victories. So I, I believe just from a philosophical, like a, a personnel standpoint, collect big guys even the ones that don't even move well, because it's a big man's game at the end of the day. So with one that can move up front, I think Penn State's one in there. That that would be insane. I'm very curious to see how much of an opportunity he gets in the blue-white game. So uh, that's what's going on on offense. The defensive side of the ball, Justin, I know is something you love, is getting a lot of praise from James Franklin. He continued to say throughout spring practices, that the defense is playing very, very well. 
And that has continued to be the theme across the board. Now, there were some pieces that everybody knew were going to have to be filled. You lose Joey Porter at corner. You lose Tig Brown at safety, that quote-unquote prowler position that we've heard a lot of talk about. We'll touch on that in a moment. P.J. Mustafer gone. Nick Tarburton, gone. Uh, some very talented guys that you've had to replace. And it sounds like Penn State's defense under Manny Diaz is kind of picking up where it left off last season. Um, what have you heard in regards to who's stepping up at certain positions on the defense? I mean, I heard there was some noise being made by the freshman Tony Rojas that was coming in, the linebacker uh, from Virginia. I heard that he's picking up the playbook very well, putting on a lot of weight and really running around and showing some some nice promise coming into this thing. Um, and some of the transfers coming in like Storm Duck and obviously guys making those different leaps, whether it's Abdul, uh, Abdul moving up like 15 pounds in weight and still Crazy. playing at the same level that he's playing, obviously being dominant all those things. And yeah, so just from that standpoint and just the depth on the back end, I think is something to be uh, obviously look at because it's, it's pretty unique when we look at the production that they had last year, losing a first round corner and then the level of depth that they have in the back end this year. Guys like Zaki Wheatley, you got Winslow that has a shot to jump up in there. I mean, both corners and and the list keeps going, especially when you're winning on the recruiting trail as well, right? Because bringing some guys up from Jacksonville, winning this week. So, yeah, I think on the back end, we want to see some things from the linebackers as well, right? We want to see – I would I'd like to see Curtis Jacobs flying around um, and just seeing, like, the polished stuff from the players that were playing last year, maybe at that mid-upper tier level and just playing a very – I like to say clean – I like to play a clean – uh, blue white game, right? Making yes. the players you're supposed to make flash your special abilities and get out of there. Yeah, nobody get hurt. Uh, Tamir <laughs> Robinson, also at linebacker, somebody Another who's one. got yes, praise. Uh, Pittsburgh guy, I know you're yeah. happy about that. Uh, Elliot Washington, a defensive back. I've made that mistake in the past. Elliot Washington, a defensive back, uh, has had some flashes as well during spring practice. So, uh, in regards to the Prowler package, can you articulate what that package looks like? under Manny Diaz? I mean, just to not be ignorant to the fact, I mean, just when talking about Prowler, just not kind of moving around from that zone blitz standpoint where you're kind of having a hard time for the offensive lineman picking up where people are coming from. Like when, we, when I mentioned from the evaluation standpoint on the offensive side, making sure there's cohesion, communication, and like from the depths, Prowler is the number one enemy to that cohesion, right? When you're moving around, having counts messed up, be able to send those exotic blitzes that Manny Diaz does draw up so you have counts messed up, personnel switches. And that's what's so interesting when I talk about the depth of the guys on the back end or even the linebackers because to be able to move and have position flexibility, I mean, now you're you're really cooking with gas when you're like sending people and being able to make plays on a back end and being an opportunistic defense that they are. I mean, that's kind of what I would assume the Prowler defense uh, goal to be. <laughs> yeah, and it's something James Franklin has spoken about it, that it's a, a chaos package, and you described it uh, as well. There are some that believe it's more of a position. Uh, Tig Brown was more the tip of the spear, so to speak, when it comes with Prowler last season. Uh, is there somebody that you could point towards as uh, it's hard to replace Tig Brown, but being that tip of the spear within Prowler? Oh, man, just based on the playmaking ability that I've seen from plays last year, I mean, Zaki Wheatley's a hard one to pass up when you think about that and just that playmaking ability coming from the back end, 
He just seems to have a a, a, a a magnet to the ball. He seems to be a magnet to the ball. So I would think someone like him, because I, that prowler, that tip of the spear, is anticipation of football instincts a lot of times. It's a feel thing, not so much just a pure skill. In that feel, he's shown some of the, the characteristics that you need, I think, when you have like that prowler type defense, opportunistic, right? Where you see somebody like for the Steelers, for the like a Paul, Troy Polamalu, right? Like yeah. he was like the spear of their prowler situation or their uh, zone blitz defense. But I would say Zaki Wheelie. I've been very interested to see what they do with safety. Keaton Ellis, a guy I never want to count out. Uh, he he really improved last season. Uh, Jalen Reed, obviously, also had a really nice season. The depth at corner is just stupid. I mean, it's Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, and Storm Duck is a dude who is just, I would describe him as a professional that they happen to get in the transfer portal from UNC. Like, That's a good that, description. Isn't that, inc- isn't that crazy, though, that you can just go get a guy who many believe is an NFL-caliber corner and it's like, yeah, just can, come be within our ranks. Like, I don't even know if he's going to be a starter. I would expect him to be one of your top three corners. But still, there's so much competition in that position. You would know better than I. No, I mean, I think it's like you said, bringing in a professional. Like, when you don't really have to worry about too much, it's like, all right, plug and play. And he's ready to go, right? He's, he's played three, four years in college football and the ACC. And it's like, he's gone. And I met him. And he, like you said, that's the first thing that comes to mind when you meet him. It's like, oh, he's a, he's a pro. That's a great quality. Cup runneth over. Um, we've talked about the secondary and the linebackers. Obviously, Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter. You know, you know what those guys are capable of. The defensive line, a uh, couple of guys banged up, so you're not going to see the full complement of uh, defensive linemen that Penn State typically rolls out there. Uh, one thing that James Franklin continues to point towards is that he feels very, very good about the pass rushers on this team. Uh, I think he recently said that he feels this is the best pass rushing unit he's had uh, at Penn State, which is phenomenal to hear because there's been some greats that have come out of this program in recent Absolutely. years and go on with the pros one person he singled out recently in the last week or so was defensive tackle zane durant that he's put on some good weight that he's still getting lean he's got his explosiveness his speed is his athleticism all that ability uh, is there anybody else along that defensive line that you're looking to see stand out at blue white i mean i think adisa isaac I think when you think of someone like Adisa Isaac coming off an injury, he always has a lot of promise. I think he's somebody, when you think of that pass rushing ability, you know, former basketball player from Brooklyn and just very wiry at his frame. Him, Danny Dennis Sutton, like to see those guys kind of show some flashes, right? Like winning on the first moves type situations and chop, obviously. Like, see, I want to, I like to see like the, the main players play. Um, in a clean way. And then the up, like the guys that are coming up, I mean, you just want to see that depth, whether it's from Smith Vilbert or just some other, some other players. I mean, like I say, like Zane Durant or Hakeem Beeman, when we just look at the whole situation because we we'll have to be rotating in and just the way that the flow of the game happens. Interior line play, you just don't want to see anything, any gaping holes, right? Where there's just complete weaknesses, but you want to see your, your main stars, win and create that level of leverage that they bring to the table and due to some of the injuries that the defensive line has sustained during spring ball right how intense do you expect things to be in the trenches i think they only have one way i mean i think it's still going to be intense because they only have one speed because that's the only way you survive out there so (laughs) i think they're still going to be intense unless they tell them to go two-hand tag i think they're going to still be pretty intense that's fair i i I just 
NFL preseason game where it's just a little like patty cake and be like, all right, nice job. I'm moving on to the next one. I just the, the whole goal, everybody be healthy on the other side of this. That's that's all we're all hoping for. So uh, it sounds like the, the I'm not entirely sure what they're going to be doing in regards to uh, special teams. If we're going to see all that much, uh, the return position kickoff and punt return is something that I, I want to keep an eye on. Don't know if they're really going to do anything in that department to show off who's capable there. Obviously, Parker Washington uh, is off to the NFL draft, so there is a, uh, a hole to be filled in terms of the punt returner. Curious to see what they do there. Um, also, the kicking game is an ongoing competition. Um, I've expressed some concern there because it's not been – a completely locked down position for a number of years now and that you've had a couple of guys who've been able to be both punter and kicker simultaneously doing both duties. But it sounds like uh, Bacchetta and Sahadak are leading the way at place kicker, uh, Gabriel and Wosu at, at kickoff. Uh, so that's very encouraging to hear those guys emerging. Again, we just don't know how much you're going to see of special teams played out in something like this that is a game but is still – a scrimmage type atmosphere. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, overall, this blue white game, uh, considering the expectations that outwardly are being put on this program, possibility of making it to the college football playoff, possibility of a national championship. Uh, what do you think James Franklin and his staff are looking to broadcast to the world with this game? I mean, just kind of summing up what I said earlier, I want to think we want to see a couple big plays on the offensive side of the ball, a couple nice runs from the running backs, some big plays from the receivers, see Drew Aller throw the ball down the field a couple times, get the fans excited, and on defense, maybe a couple of turnovers, and uh, get out of there safe and sound and see some promise from the young guys that came up in, in January. I think that's something that would be very exciting uh, moving forward because I think that's – Kind of the two themes, I think, going into this, right, is the quarterback and the guys that are coming in in January. It's some of the position battles, but making sure that what the billing is, that there's at least some key notes that people can see, like, hey, this is what we got cooking over here. Building up excitement. Yeah. Safe and sound is the perfect way to put it. That's absolutely that's all I'm hoping. For. <laughs> uh, so we're really excited. The blue white game is going down this Saturday at 2 PM Eastern uh, at Beaver stadium. So for those of you that can make it very jealous of you, uh, before we wrap up uh, this episode, I do want to give you Justin the opportunity to talk about something that I've spoken a lot about. I've spoken about it on social media. Uh, what's been going on lately. Some news has come out regarding the, uh, I would describe it as the inner turmoil within the, Penn State Board of Trustees, um, some concerns within the Penn State Athletic Department. It was uh, raised recently by Board of Trustee member uh, Brandon Short, obviously a legendary Penn State linebacker, played in the National Football League, of need for change and need for improvements made in regards to NIL. And it's something that you and I, I know, feel very strongly about. It's why Blue White Outfitters uh, is a, a group that we support because there are NIL funds that are going to active Penn State players. Um, I think this is a really great opportunity to see some progress for Penn State athletics across the board. Uh, personally, I support what Brandon Short and Michael Maudy are lobbying for. I allow other people to make their decisions for them. So there is an ongoing election going on right now at PSU.edu to name three new board of trustees members. So um, 
Don't know if you had anything that you wanted to add on the subject or anything you'd like to take away from what Brandon Short said. Yeah, well, I think when it comes to NIL, I think we should just make sure that we're keeping the main thing the main thing, and that's the student athletes, right? That we're just providing them with the support and the leverage that they need from coming to Penn State. And that's what we're trying to do with the Blue White Outfitters, where it's an easy vehicle for fans to purchase nice fan apparel that the proceeds go to the different position groups. When we start thinking about that and branding the school in the way that Penn Staters want to see this group of athletes be branded and be able to uh, profit and monetize those operations. So it's an easy thing to go, Hey, let's buy some gear for the, for the players and support them through this way. And the money can flow uh, to them. So from my standpoint on the lobbying of the the board of trustees and all that, I kind of, like I said, kind of keep the main thing, the main thing and focus on the student athletes and looking at the best ways to support them. And, um, Let's not just, you know, let's keep it in within the Penn State umbrella and not argue in public. That's my that's always that's always my key because we can figure out things behind the scenes. And like I said, if we're keeping the main thing, the main thing of supporting the student athletes, let's find some vehicles and sustainable ways to do that. That's why, again, we come out with blue, white, collect, I mean, blue, white outfitters and lockdown, you lawn boys, aces and you got like in all those different things and building brand identity where Penn state fans can continue to support like they already do. We already wear fan gear now just support it. And, and now it's going to the players. Um, so just trying to create some simple, sustainable solutions for the, for the whole athlete ecosystem and, and uh, Penn state. I love it. And it's all about alignment. There's so many great collectives right now. that are contributing to individual Penn state sports and Penn state athletics across the board, uh, success with iron, uh, honor lions legacy club. You know, there's a bunch of different out there. Uh, you can get involved. Uh, this is one way, but we're all about the progress and, uh, you know, improvement of Penn state athletics across the board. So with that, everybody enjoy the blue white game this Saturday, and we will have a full recap for you right here on state of state. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.